0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network,
1: proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Who you do business with is more important than where they're located. Bank from the comfort of your own home with M-Prize Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory podcast with Ken Swanson, Craig Stout, and Matt Lane. Coming to you on the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City. You can find all of our channels covering all the local teams wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube. Just search KCSN. And now, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory.
2: It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank member FDIC. It's a playoff edition of the KC Laboratory. We are officially in postseason, Matthew Lane.
3: We are in postseason, and we're here at postseason live KC Laboratory time here at 7:30 Eastern. This is this is awkward. I'm Why not on my Eastern? A game. Why go east? Because because I live in the Eastern Time I, Zone, Kent. You, but everyone watching this, most of them are in the Central Time Zone. And here we are at three thirty on the West Coast. Here, coming at you guys live. Like, what do you want from me, Kent? Craig, how are you doing? And hey, here we
4: are coming to you at two in the morning in Germany. No,
3: I, you know, <laughs> no.
4: it's uh, I'm doing great. Um, excited to get into the Chiefs playing a playoff game. That 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 week off was a nice little refresh. It's nice mentally to not have to stress about football during the weekend. It's really fun. I am fully recharged. I'm sure the Chiefs players are as well ready to get out there this week.
2: It is Tuesday, January 17th at one thirty two a.m. in Germany right now. Just so you oh, know. Oh, I was close. Hit the like. I know. Craig is great. Craig was rounding oh, up. Craig knew, knew that. Knew. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button if you are watching this. Appreciate everybody that's hanging out with us. We're going to, you know, lead you up into, uh, Ah, uh, the final playoff game of Super wild, wild Wild Card Weekend. It was pretty super. There was a lot of really good football games. Some really fo- good football teams have continued in the AFC, and I think it's probably worth us discussing a little bit about where the Chiefs stand. Obviously, they are the one seed. They earned the one. You know, they earned the one seed. They earned the bye week. Um, but I think there's a difference between earning the bye week because the Tennessee Titans earned it last last year, and I'm not calling the Chiefs the Tennessee Titans at all. But it's worth evaluating and looking at, you know, the rest of the field relative to what this football team is and what this football team is capable of doing. Um, Matthew, I, you have the floor here to start. I just overall thoughts about this football team, just from a, a fifty thousand foot perspective, heading into the most important month of the year.
3: Okay. Um, during Wild Card Weekend, one AFC team. Came out looking better than they went in, right? Only one, and that was the Chiefs because they didn't they didn't play. Yeah. They're the only team that I think their fan base should one hundred percent feel better today than they did on you know Saturday morning, uh, going into this wild card week because the Bills, the Bengals, and the Jaguar Jaguars. I'm getting in trouble for calling them the Jaguars. Apparently, my Midwest is showing, and it is, it is upsetting some people. So the uh, um They all showed fatal flaws throughout their games during wildcard weekend, and the Chiefs didn't have to play, so therefore they didn't. We are well aware of what their flaws may be, but seeming we see those every single week or when they do show up, we know what they are. We don't get as many opportunities to see how the Bills might lose a game to a third-string quarterback, how the fraud goals should have lost a game to a backup quarterback in Tyler Huntley before they called a weird sneak or how the Jagood he's, uh had to come down from 27 down to the Los Angeles Chargers because they were getting blown out. It's so, like seeing all these teams go through all of that, you have to feel a little bit better about the Chiefs' chances. They, at this point, had won enough games to deserve to be in contention, if not flat out win the one seed, and they're still that good. You can have questions about all these other teams after this first week into the playoffs. The Chiefs have no new questions. Like, that's that's a win for them.
4: I can't wait for Maddie to be calling them the snow leopards by the end of the week. It's just slowly. <laughs> I got a list. Mulberry. I got a
3: list. Don't worry. <laughs> so,
4: no, it, it is one of those that kind of simply by not playing the chiefs kind of got themselves in the driver's seat. And they obviously were with the one seed, um, but you know, draft Kings agrees. Uh, the chiefs currently have the best odds in the AFC of going and winning the super bowl. They have the best odds in the NFL of going and winning the Super Bowl. And so like simply by not playing and by coming out against the Raiders and basically putting on a performance, putting it out there and saying, hey, guys, remember us? We're still good. Don't, don't worry about it. We still got this. And knowing what Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo bring from a game-planning perspective into the playoffs, yes, I do think that gives the Chiefs a little bit of a leg up. Now, certainly no, this Chiefs team lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. They lost. To the Buffalo Bills in the regular season, that has happened, and I totally get that. You want to go back and look at those games and say, "Listen, those teams were better on that day. They absolutely were. They were a better team than the Chiefs on that day." The Chiefs are a lot different now than they were then, having healthy playmakers again, adding guys like Kadarius Tony, adding a few new elements to the offense adding a few new elements to the defense that the pass rush was kind of non-existent in both of those games by comparison. And so maybe you get to see that element come up. So in that regard, yes, I do think that the chiefs are the favorites in the AFC. I think that they should be. And I, I think that while all these teams have holes, while all of them have fatal flaws, I think the chiefs are easier to kind of brush over and cover up and yes a lot of that is Patrick Mahomes but it's also some of that Andy Reid Steve Spagnuolo and their consistent playoff performances as well that you got to factor in
2: I look at this team and I think you know you you just got done talking about the two losses you know very tight football games against the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals Mahomes Hmm. had the ball against the Bills you know with under two minutes and a chance to drive the field through an interception obviously yeah that that sucked Uh, Travis Kelsey fumbles the ball. They still escape a road victory against the Cincinnati Bengals. Like those games were not blowouts. They were one possession games. They were close football games. um, And the Chiefs weren't like too far out of reach of those football teams. And I look at, you know, take one of those games. One of those games swings a different direction, which was in the range of outcomes. 100% in the range of outcomes. You know, for both of those football games, we're looking at a 15 and 2 football team. We're not having debates about the one seed. I mean, the Chiefs have a really, really bad loss early in the season. But outside of that, like they've taken care of business for the vast majority of the season. And it's not always been pretty. There's always been things for us to discuss and critique. But this team's won a lot of football games. They've, you know, they played a lot of close football games, uh, some closer than we ex- expected. And I think this is something that you see with Andy Reid football teams. And it's kind of maddening and it's frustrating to watch from the outside. But some of the in-season, regular season management, yes, they're absolutely trying to win the football game every time that they roll out there. And and Andy Reid's not trying to put games at risk in a sizable, significant way by maybe making some in-game decisions to trust his defense. He's trying to battle test a group you know, for, for the moments that they're about to experience. And I, let's start with the defense a little bit. It feels like there are some things since the Bengals game where this team is kind of on an upward trajectory. They're playing better football. Um, You know, the, the pass rush is getting home. They're turning the ball over a little bit more recently. Like Now, some of it has to do with the opponents that they're playing, but mm-hmm. you have to be a little bit encouraged by what you've seen on the de- defensive side of the football so far, Maddie.
3: Pete Carroll's done a lot of seminars and stuff over the years, since he's started coaching the Seattle Seahawks about making sure they're peaking at the right time. So going back to when they were having their little miniature dynasty-esque run there, it was a lot of talk about how you don't want to peak in November or even at the beginning of December, that doesn't do you any good to play your best football then, and then to stall out. And when you stall out in the NFL, that's called regression because everybody, because somebody else is getting better. So if you, peak at the end of November and then you stall out and you just play at that level the rest of the year, somebody else is getting better. Therefore they're catching you. That makes you, you know, get worse. Just that's the matter of fact. And so Andy Reid and the chiefs, they've been very good at not peaking too early. They do a very good job of consistently building and building and building. And yeah, that makes some games maybe look a little bit uglier. And I I don't mean that he's holding them back on purpose. It's just there's a specific time when you want to be playing your best football, and that is going into the playoffs. So you were playing your best football as the playoffs start. So if that means, and this is what I think that Chiefs really do, and I promise I'll get to specific defensive stuff soon, Kent. I swear. I know I'm breaking out of your, your outline. I understand. No, you're fine. Go but for it. Go off. The, the, the plan is they're working on certain specific things each and every week that are going to build and build and build, and then they can circle back to it in the playoffs because they got practice at it. The goal isn't to go out there and blow out their first very upcoming opponent by 50 points. That's not goal A. The goal awesome. A, the first goal is 100. It's to be the best team they can be come January, come February, and be there and playing. And I think Andy Reid and this coaching staff very much take that to heart. They very much have that same philosophy. So when you go back and look through and starting with the Bengals game, And moving forward, you can very clearly see, yeah, there's some close games in there, but the Chiefs were working on very specific things, getting very specific players involved in certain ways so that when they do have to use them come playoff time, when they have to dial back, fall back on these things, they're ready for it. And that's going to make them a better team. I mean, just blandly defensively, look at how much better they've tackled since that Bengals game since the look how much better they've tackled how they've swarmed the ball how they break down in space it's the most simple thing but here is something that not every team does well as the year goes on and the chiefs certainly weren't doing it great in the middle of the season now all of a sudden we're coming in here when's the last time you found yourself streaming at the TV that they couldn't tackle multiple times in a game a missed tackle here or there is fine but you just we were never getting upset about the lack of tackling and that just goes to say they're getting better and better each week heading into the time where it really matters
4: Yeah, that's uh, and you've watched him kind of grow into some of those roles on the defensive side of the ball, and obviously, that's what happens when you play so many rookies and you are rotating so many guys out. Held we Jalen Watson wasn't a starter for this team four weeks ago, like, and now he's going to be the guy getting the lion's share of the snaps, they were still figuring things out. They were still figuring out what they did. Well, they Trent McDuffie hadn't really played in the slot four weeks ago. Now it seems like that's a position where he's going to play a lot of the time in sub packages. They are constantly tweaking these things. And as you have seen here at the end of the year, the defense all of a sudden, has started to come on a little bit more. They're more comfortable. You're seeing the safety play get better. That's not a coincidence. Those guys are playing better. Don't get me wrong. Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed are definitely playing better. But as the scheme has gotten nailed down and the personnel has gotten nailed down and they're really focused with a mind towards the playoffs, this is the result. Now, all of a sudden, they look better because the scheme is featuring some of the things that they do better. So do the rookie corners. So does the pass rush because now the secondary is giving them a little more time to get home on some of this. It's It just all kind of cascades through the entire thing. I think the only position group that I would argue does not look better on defense right now at the end of the year than it maybe did mid-season is the linebackers and it's just a consistency thing. Like it's not that those guys are playing poorly. It's just maybe Willie Gay has a bad game. Maybe Nick Bolton has a bad game, but then the next game they rebound and they look better. You know, it's just a consistency thing. Like that's something you get nailed down in the playoffs. You feel a lot better about. So from that regard, this chief's defense has been so much better consistently at the end of the season. I think it, shows up when you look at like their statistics. This is the first year under Steve Spagnuolo that they have been ranked better in yards than they were in points. And part of that's because they is the first year that they weren't top 10 in points. They were 16th, very middle of the pack, but they're 11th in yards. They're coming up with more stops. They're coming up with more three and outs than they have in any previous year. And that has definitely ramped up as the year has gone along. And right now, they are tied for 7th in the NFL in yards per play and that is season long that this defense at the beginning of the year was giving up a lot of yards per play and they have clawed it back they are performing so much better so yes I think that that's one of those like Maddie said you build towards the playoffs you build towards the end of the year this defense is hitting on those cylinders right now
2: I have way more to ask both of you here in a second Uh, but we need to hear from Tucker D Franklin about DraftKings
5: The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57, and for the NFL division round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. I love doing the stepped-up same-game parlays. I've been doing the anytime touchdown score parlays. They're always fun, and you always got a chance, as BJ Kissel says. And here's what you got to do. You got to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code KCSN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL Divisional Round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details.
1: Entertain, educate, inform KC Sports Network.
2: I go back to this comment all the time from Steve Spagnolo after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And it was starting OTAs up again. It was the first time that they had talked to him since they had won the Super Bowl. And it, he's, he's talking about you go from, you go back to square one, every single, you know, every single like, every single season you're starting from scratch, you know, you're building on top of what you did. And obviously sometimes some of the foundational stuff can be a lot easier as you become a more seasoned football team, as you develop more comfortability with each other, as you're there longer. But this particular football team on the defensive side of the ball had a ton of rookies from jump street being utilized and, You know, we've talked a lot about the static coverages of this football team. We've talked a lot about the youth of this defensive side of the football. And it's not just the youth. It's the free agents additions. The big free agent signing for this football team was Justin Reed, a safety. I just wonder how much do we think this team can get better over the last couple weeks? Because this is, hey, look, you heard Patrick Mahomes say emphasis is improvement one continue to get better can continue to get more experience but be like how how elaborate do we think this team can get relative to what Steve Spagnolos put on tape in the past like do we think this is going to to be some big deviations or are we just gonna see this team play a lot of static coverage and hold on for dear life Maddie
3: Well here's the funny thing i don't know if static zone coverages are the worst against some of the opponents the chiefs are about to go up against like the nfl's yeah. kind of gone so far into hammering you know your too high safety stuff your match quarters and all these different exotic coverages with late rotations and the the post snap rotation should still be there but i don't know if Playing some relatively simple static zone stuff isn't your best bet going up against the Jacksonville Ocelots or going up against Joe Burrow and the Froggles. Like, I think these. Yes, you can't just sit there and line up where these guys are going to drop into zone and have anyone not move. But if you drop a safety down to the flat that's aligned high and then replace them with the nickel on the deep half and just you exchange their zones and then you run static zone, I actually think that some of these quarterbacks might not be ready for it because they've spent their entire you know football career not seeing it because it's not something they play against all the time. So I don't know. This might be one of these weird situations where Steve Spagnuolo has been so far ahead of the curve that we were kind of mocking him to start the year but if you go back and look the the ravens against joe burrow specifically these past two times they've played have had success with static zones the Mm -hmm. miami dolphins didn't ran a lot of man coverage but every now and then they would just run some basic cover two stuff and that seemed to be not where the buffalo Bills struggled the most but you could tell they were a little less comfortable and it just kind of became hey josh allen go make a play against it so I don't know. It might the static zone stuff. We he might have just been a little bit ahead of the curve and we all were wrong. Shocking.
1: Yeah.
4: Well, that <laughs> definitely happens like all the time. A lot of times <laughs> weekly. Um and I think the funny part is is as they're building towards the end of the year, we're starting to see some of that late rotation stuff. Some of that Trent McDuffie's dropping with guys dropping into the high hole, you know, that that two robber look that we've come so accustomed to from Steve Spagnolo. We've seen a little bit of that just busted out right here at the end of the year. So they're certainly repping it. You know, we talk about all the time, end of the year stuff. They're, They're getting experience running some of that in a live game setting. It may not be necessarily because that's what they think is the best opportunity to beat that team. They may just want to be calling that in certain downs, certain situations just to get those reps. So we're seeing that a little bit. And we've seen an increase in it. So it makes me wonder, yes, are they going to zig when everybody else zags? And now all of a sudden, teams are going to look at the last four games and being like, all right, there we go. is getting his bag with the coverages again. So when we see this, we're going to see this rotation, and they're going to play off of it. And maybe this entire year has been an experience, you know, trying to get those guys more comfortable. In those static zone drops sinking underneath some of those smash concepts, as we talked about yesterday, that teams tried to hit so hard. Now, all of a sudden, teams don't try that anymore because the corners are playing so much better in those roles. Maybe all of a sudden we see more scenarios where you don't have linebackers in the middle of the field matched up one on one with tight ends. There was a little bit of this season where they did a pretty good job masking those guys, hiding those guys Then here at the end of the season when they're trying out some more of the experimental stuff you see a few more opportunities for the linebackers in the middle of the field. They see this as well. And so I wonder if they're putting stuff on tape. I wonder if we're going to see some more of the static stuff. We've seen enough now over the <laughs> past four weeks to make me go, Hey, I have no idea what we're getting out of Spagnolo in the playoffs. Good. And that's a really good thing for this
2: defense. Absolutely. Hey, it's only, you know, and it's a, it's a three game sprint. Right. But like, and it's a little bit week to week, but I think it's just like, just survive your, just survive your side of the bracket too. Like it's a two game sprint, I think in a lot of different ways, you know? Um, and I, I think the cheese, we'll, we'll talk about the cheese taking care of business this week, but you know, unload, I, if, if they unload the clip against the Bengals or the bills, I'm not going to be disappointed at all. Let's just say that. Um, okay. Real quick, before we move to the offensive side of the ball, we do have a raffle that we are doing for Jaguars tickets for the game uh, this upcoming uh, weekend. And you have until January 18th, that's two days to uh, get into the ticket giveaway that we are doing uh, on the KC Sports Network Venmo. You're gonna win two tickets, two entries to the Tickets for Less VIP tailgate, which is absolutely awesome, and a parking pass when you donate. at least, You get one entry, when you donate ten dollars you get eight entries when you donate fifty dollars all the proceeds are going to go to the kcsn foundation but it's an opportunity for you to potentially be at arrowhead for the playoff game but also help a lot of the endeavors that we have here at kc sports network with the kcsn foundation we're doing a lot of really cool stuff year over year now it's one of the coolest things that we we get to be part of when it when it comes to this thing so um, go to the kc sports network venmo Donate money, donate ten dollars, donate fifty dollars. It'll get you multiple entries. If you donate fifty, you get you eight. So uh take advantage of that. Uh we appreciate the support. We're trying to uh continue to raise money for the KCSN Foundation. So same kind of concept on the offensive side of the ball, right? We're we're looking at this team and you know, do we think that they're peaking at the right time? Do we think they're on the you know on the verge of peaking at the right time? Does it matter because Patrick Levon Mahomes like I don't know. I think it's a little bit less cut and dry with the with the offense than it is with the defense.
3: I don't know. I think I think it's more cut and dry. Um, Patrick Mahomes, Andy <laughs> Reid. Okay, they're they're gonna be fine. Let's they're, leave it at Travis that. Let's move on. They're, they're they're fine. Like yes, I think they have very specifically. We've been talking about it for weeks. They have <clears> identified <throat> things that they wanted to work on to improve going in the playoffs. The vertical passing game, and they haven't been elite with it but they've done more of it and they've proven that they can produce open looks open receivers that's what matters getting into heavy personnel if a team like the Raiders wants to stick and dime the entire time no matter what they do hey here's us going heavy and guess what we're still going to get guys open out of this heavy personnel and when we want to we can run it for a free five yards because look at the bodies that we have they very clearly identified things that they like and you even go through the rest of the year In the middle of the season, right after the bye week, when Isaiah Pacheco took over, what'd they do? They ran a bunch of counter. They ran a bunch of gap runs, and guess what? It worked. it weird. They all of a sudden pulled it away down the stretch. Do we really think that they just decided, "Hmm, our offense that was finally running the ball good shouldn't do this anymore? Or do we think they're not just preparing that to come back up again in the playoffs when they most likely are going to need it? So I have... Utmost belief that Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey are going to be their normal selves come playoff time, and it's going to be as good as they've been this year. I do feel very good about what they've shown when they've specifically decided to target certain things on offense. They've had success doing it even down the stretch when they were struggling versus the Broncos or the Texans or whoever. Whatever they set out to do that week, they were doing it relatively well. So I, don't, I feel comp- very confident on the offensive side. I mean,
4: it, coming at it from a Defensive perspective. I, I asked this of Mike DeVito and Derek Johnson a couple of weeks ago, basically saying, as you're ramping up towards the playoffs, what you know, the, the type of stuff that you show. And they said, well, not necessarily on defense, like there's a little bit of that sort of gamesmanship trying to show little elements of all that. But he said, on offense, yes, you watch offenses all year long. And you're just sitting there and you're watching it and you're going, all right, which one of these are fake? Which one of these are real? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you get to the playoffs, when you get to those, those games that really, truly matter. It's like if you get got by a trick play or you get got by a certain concept that you weren't expecting the regular season. Okay, that's fine. Go back to the drawing board, work it out and all of that. But in the playoffs, you don't have a drawing board to go back to. And so they talked about how much effort it requires to study an offense, break down full tendencies, run through basically everything that that offense is good at in what downs, distances, scenarios, and Andy Reid is typically very good at keeping defenses off balance just in general. This year has been light years different in a positive way. It is very hard to pinpoint the things that the Chiefs are doing, their tendencies, what they're going to come out and try and do. It's simple to say, yeah, they're going to try and get the ball to Kelsey on third down, but how? What elements are they going to bring to the table? What sort of route concepts are they going to bring to the table? Because right now, with the weapons that they have, they can trot any number of guys out there and do an arsenal of things out of every personnel grouping, and they've been working it all all season long like maddie said the heavy personnel the gap runs the stuff that they did out of 11 we've seen some stuff with some of the wide receiver screen game that they're clearly not putting a ton more on tape even though they've got guys like Kadarius tony mccall hardman sky more that are good at those sorts of things not running it as much as they possibly could so we know that's all there and then the screen game here at the end of the game the end of the year too just with the running backs we know that's all there we know they've worked it. It's a nightmare for defenses to study, and I think because of the types of receivers and the types of weapons that they've had this year and the offense that they've ran, there's just so much more for every defense to have to study, and so I think that this offense can kind of have their pick of the litter when it gets into the playoffs.
2: Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you're watching this. Really do appreciate it. Um, I Tyreek Hill's absence, I think, b- lends itself to more unpredictability to that group. And like, it was kind of lip service in the off season as a selling point of, you know, all this stuff. But I think some of what you're talking about does kind of lend itself to that a little bit. There's a little bit less of a focal point placed on Tyree kill, how they're going to get Tyree kill. There's a little bit more unpredictability to what this team's able to do. They've got a deeper group in there where they're able to mix and match and be a little bit more versatile um on the back, you know, or uh, uh, just, just be more versatile with, with who they're throwing back there. And, and, I, I like it. I will see, you know, like the the thing that's so hard for defenses like you're talking about is like there's you can show things, but there's so many logical progressions to what teams are able to do offensively where yeah, we're gonna we're gonna run, you know, this, but we've got the sluggo off of it coming. One of these days, you know, like we're going to run this slant flat, but we got the sluggo coming off of it. We've got the little stock screen, you know, vertical off of this. Like there's always these logical progressions that you have to prepare for on top of just what everybody's shown. You know, Andy Reid's one of the masters of that with the screen game. You know, the logical progressions he builds on the screen game are so impressive, too. So. Uh there's just I think there's a lot of elements there. And I think Maddie's talked about it a couple times leading up to this. Is hey, look, they've shown elements of what they can do. They've shown they can stretch the field, they've shown um different variety in the run game, uh, in, in a lot of different ways. And you know, they're gonna have a full disposal, you know, full full complement of players, it looks like. Seems like there's a chance we'll see Clyde Edwards Alaire with some, you know, with some Ooh. tweets here this week, mm-hmm. too. So some slide might
3: get, some- get McColl. I mean, you know, there's there's options and the chiefs might have a lot of options to put out there in the field, but they have a lot of answers on the offensive. And I think that's more, yes. that's really what I feel confident about. They have answers to all these different problems that they are going to, where they might see defensively, I think they'll have some I can just I can't pinpoint them as specifically as I can with the offense. And it's a lot harder to track the buildup. And that's because defense is so reactive. It has to be so reactive in the NFL anymore. So it's hard to pinpoint where they're coming up with these answers. But offensively, that's what it feels like the entire last month of the season has has been. Is coming up with as many answers to as many problems that might come up. And they've been executing it well. So, yeah, they're walking into the playoffs now, I think, ready to fire back anything they see. So you've got Andy Reid's script off the gate, off the top, which is great. Now we have answers to anything else we see after that. So I, I, offensively, like I said, I feel really good about them right now. Uh, hopefully I don't get humbled when they go up against the Jacksonville Servals.
1: <laughs> You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. entertain, educate, inform KC sports network.
2: Speaking of answers, we have some answers for you. We're going to take some of the questions. Uh, Feel free to start, start posting some questions. We're going to start. We're going to start answering a few of these before we get out here. We're going to try to get out of here before this last playoff game, bucks and Cowboys. Uh, So 45 minutes, that would make it a Maddie lane, 15 minute show. Uh, we'll start this, uh, with Yoder. does sky Moore get three plus targets this week?
3: Let's say you Matthew this week. No. Cause I, I don't even know. Like I'm not even certain he's going to play yet. I mean that, you know, I'm just That's not fair. sure where we're at. So like I'm going to take, and even if he is Tony's back, maybe Hardman's back. I, nah, I, I've been taking the under and it hurts me. It hurts my soul, but I'd take the under.
2: Uh, we, oh, I, we'll, we'll, just, we'll go through all these. We'll go all through these, Craig. Cause we want to get, we want to get in a bunch of different questions. So John yeah. R, are there any concerns about the defense not showing up and being prepared?
4: I don't think so. Um, you can, you can look at that Cincinnati Bengals game in the regular season and argue that they didn't show up and weren't prepared. I, I'm, I'll hear that. I, I will, because they didn't look good in that game and did a poor job tackling a lot of hallmarks that weren't there before, This defense spent all offseason getting guys that were going to show up and were going to respond to adversity and were just going to keep coming at you. That's why they drafted the guys they did, added the free agents that they did. So, no, I'm actually less worried this year about them showing up slash not being prepared than maybe I have been in some previous years. Maybe not the prepared thing because Tyron Matthew was an eraser on the back end, but the not showing up element, no, I don't think that's the case this year.
2: Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and start asking some questions. We're hanging out here for another, you know, 10, 15 minutes or so. We're going to be answering some questions. I like this one from Devin Albertson. I'm going to, it's, it's, it's rank the remaining starting quarterbacks. I'm assuming that this is both division or both, both conferences. So I'm going to rank these and then I want Matthew or you can jump in and, and kind of shoot me into the sun if, if you, uh, does. if you hate them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Shocked. Uh, eighth, eighth, we're going to, I'm going to and we're going to, we'll, we'll figure, we'll, we'll figure Dak and, and Brady, I guess for now. Uh, Brock Purdy is the worst quarterback left in the playoff field. I know everybody's like super excited about him and all that stuff, but I'm sorry. He's, yeah, he's still, he's still the worst of a very good group and he's having a very good season. So good for him. I'm going to go Danny dimes. Daniel Jones, Mm 7th.
3: It's Daniel Newton, but okay. Daniel Newton,
2: 7th. I'm going to go Trevor Lawrence following that. I'm going to go... I'm going to go... This is where it gets tough. (laughs) I'm I'm going Dakota Prescott there and Tom Brady following him. How about that? We're going to go with both of those in that little bucket there. Uh, I'm then going to go with... Oh, uh Jalen Hurts. Yes. Then I'm gonna go Joey Burrow, then Josh Allen, then Patrick Levon Mahomes. You're Maddie's ready to fight.
3: No, no, I want Craig to go.
4: No, I was just getting ready to say you put some respect on Danny Danny Dimes' name there. My <laughs> Good man, quarterback,
3: pulled out. He was awesome. This weekend. Well, if you're giving, you guys see his passing chart. Like everything but two passes was directly at five yards. It was a flat yep. line across the Called field. Out.
2: They were open. <laughs> um,
3: so I, I don't know. I don't have too much issue. I guess with what you did, I think. Um, Lawrence is a tricky one because he can be really good, but then we also saw the really bad. So, like, the really good Lawrence is definitely above Prescott and Hurts to me, but I just don't know how confident I am that I'm getting the really good Lawrence, right? It's like, that's a tricky one. I I have one major gripe, though, and it's with Brock Purdy being last. That's blasphemy because Joe Burrow belongs dead last with a bullet point by a country mile. Craig,
2: Kyle Coffey asks, I'm not even going to... Go there, uh, Maddie. Uh, Kyle, asks, Does Lejarius Sneed shadow Christian Kirk on Saturday? I mean,
4: I can see it. Um, I I think that this Jaguars team is actually perfectly built for the Chiefs not to shadow. Um, I I think that they'll feel pretty comfortable with the types of receiver that the Jaguars have staying where they are. So I could see Sneed operating out of the slot more this week. And using him as a blitzer a little bit more against Trevor Lawrence just to try and create that matchup. But I would pay attention to the next game, Jamar Chase, or you know Stephon Diggs. Like, yes, he's gonna he's gonna shadow that guy, but I can see him not shadowing this week.
3: And before you want, kick me off, Kent, I, I just want to know. I just want to add two cents to that. I was just gonna say Christian Kirk's the kind of receiver I think Sneed struggles with a little bit mm. more. Than some of the but, bigger guys, like the quicker change of direction guys, those are the guys he seems to have a little bit more trouble with. So yeah, I don't I don't know if they will necessarily shadow him. But yeah, going back to the slot, like there's no reason to have Steed constantly flexed outside unless that's what you want, unless that is what the Chiefs defense actively wants. But boy, watching how uh, Doug Peterson used Travis Etienne to attack the edges, please give me. Mean, I like Trip McDuffie in the slot. He's been good, but Lajerius Steed's still a better run defender. He's better at protecting the edges there. So, I mean, I would love to see him stay in the slot more so to protect the run game than anything else.
4: Run at Jalen Watson and find out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, They challenged Asante Samuel.
3: They're like, hey, Asante Samuel, can you tackle? We know you can intercept the ball, but can you tackle? And the answer was no. But try that against the Chiefs corners. It might be a different story.
2: How much man do we think they play to? in this game. Like that's something I'm kind of curious. Like that's a, yeah. And so like, you know, how much are you, how much are you following Christian Kirk? If you're not gonna be playing man coverage, right? I, they let, they let, they let people play a little bit in the playoffs. And like, that's the blessing and the curse. I think a little bit with man coverage at times too. I'm going to answer to this one from Tommy sparks. Are we going to be focused out of the gate for once? I, and I know it's a little, little cheeky, but here's the, the one downside. I think, of like at the one downside of being the bye week is you don't have that play up that playoff football mentality for a week after experiencing an entire game like obviously they're they're locked in and they're focusing and all this stuff but sometimes teams cannot um appreciate the intensity that they're walking into a game with and they get caught a little bit off guard when they when they've had that extra bye week uh I don't think that's going to be the case because this team has been through it so much at this point. And weirdly enough, Chargers, Jaguars, both of those rosters may not entirely know what playoff football means because both of them were playing each other for the first time. Like in playoff, you know, like there's there's a heavy group of that team that probably doesn't even completely understand how the intensity gets ratched up even more. Not to say that they weren't playing hard or anything like that, but the Chiefs have a better understanding of what it takes. And maybe even the Jaguars and Chargers can't fully appreciate it. But that is one thing that always just kind of bothers me. Or, 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 or not bothers me, just worries me a little bit. Uh, Anthony Oliveira, or Olvera sorry. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is a pretty athletic runner, and yet he doesn't run much. Should they spy him because of his athleticism
3: or no? I don't think so, because like you said, I don't I don't can't remember the last time Trevor Lawrence really took over a game or even had a significant impact with his legs. Even against the Chargers, there were a couple times where it looked like he could have took off for an easy gain and he tried to throw the ball on the run like just about every single time. Uh, so maybe if you find yourself in third and medium and you want to make sure he's not going to scramble for it, if you want to let your defensive line really pin their ears back Get after the quarterback and you want to throw a spy out there because you anticipate him having to move. Okay, I get it. But just like a a typical common spy, like you're going to play against Josh Allen in terms of like every single play, no. I think you just see a lot of zone coverage. So there's a lot of eyes on them and them try to stay, you know, respectable in their pass rush lanes and, you know, respect the athleticism, but not actively spy them.
2: Craig, for you, bourbon for president. Do you think we see a larger and larger to- Kadarius Toney role as we go through this postseason, even with McCole La- Hardman back?
4: Yes, unequivocally. McCole um, Hardman has a very large role on this offense, especially in the red zone and on some of the vertical stuff. I think we're going to see McCole back. I think we're going to see him back and used in some of those ways that we're used to. Kadarius they want to get the ball in Kadarius's hands because he's so explosive, agile and elusive that he creates those extra little yards. So like I was talking about earlier with the wide receiver screens, I expect to see more Kadarius, Tony in those sorts of scenarios and letting him pick up some chunk plays there. Plus, We see a lot more of like those out routes, those quick comebacks, things like that with Kadarius that we we've seen sprinkled in just a little bit. And then they've gone immediately away from them. If this offense is truly looking to integrate him more, those are the areas that I'd look for. And those don't necessarily overlap with what McColl does. Well,
2: hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. Uh, appreciate everybody watching. We're answering questions for a few more minutes before we get out of here. Uh, DJ Biegler asks, with McColl back, does Justin Watson, do Justin Watson's snaps go down, Matthew?
3: Probably not. I mean, maybe maybe a little bit, maybe, but like an insignificant amount. I don't think they fulfill the same role uh, at all. Like Justin Watson is put out there with heavier personnel because he can block and then he can still provide the deep speed down the field. McCole Hardman has that speed, but they haven't really utilized him well as a vertical threat. And he's definitely not much of a blocker. So I think they just kind of fulfilled different roles. Maybe there is a, a small, like a chain reaction of McCole eats into uh, a little bit of Juju Smith Schuster's reps, a little bit of MVS. And then those two guys, then eat into Justin Watson's reps. Like maybe it's like that, but I don't think they play the same role at all.
2: Uh, Z- Zachariah Caffin asks, should Isaiah Pacheco be the starter? Uh, I mean, I probably will be the starter, but I think Jarek McKinnon will put, I think Jarek McKinnon might wind up out snapping, uh, I might out snap Isaiah Pacheco for the entirety of the playoffs. Seems like they want it. Like they lean on, they they lean on Jarek McKinnon a lot when, when they feel they need something, whether it's, you know, pass protection, getting involved in the pass game. Like I could see Jarek McKinnon out snapping them, but if you're going to ask me who's going to get the majority of the carries, I think it's Isaiah Pacheco still, yeah. but I think the, the majority of the snaps are still probably going to wind up being Jarek McKinnon for the next three weeks.
4: Even with Clyde back, I think Isaiah Pacheco gets the majority
3: of the handoffs in the backfield.
4: Clyde uh-uh. is back.
3: What does that even mean? Like, what do we think his snap percentage is?
4: Man, more more than Rojo, but not a ton more.
2: How
3: about so that? So more than what Rojo's been getting or more than what yes. he will get? Okay. Yes.
2: Interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. We'll be previewing <laughs> Chiefs Jaguars on Thursday, live, 8 p.m. Central time. Thanks to everybody for hanging out. Thanks to everybody for watching, listening. Please leave a five-star review if you'd like. It helps us grow the channel, helps more Chiefs fans find it. We'll catch you later.
1: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou, by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.
6: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why?